Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to the 71st episode of the Morning Round Trip podcast here on September 19th, 2020. My name is Drew Frank, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. And the top story from last night comes from Cincinnati, where we saw White Sox relief pitcher Garrett Crochet debut just three months after he was drafted. He went 11th overall in the first round of the 2020 draft. The first pitcher since Mike Leake to appear in the major leagues before the minor leagues. He jumps straight up to the show and showed some nasty stuff. He hit 101.5 on his fastball with a slider sitting down at 85. That is just gross. Got all sorts of power in that arm. We saw him pitch a clean sixth where he faced three batters, struck out the first two, and got a ground out to the third batter. Only Josh DeMont has thrown harder than that this year, and (laughs) this is only one inning of sample size for Crochet, so very electric arm, very exciting player to be watching. We also saw Zach Plezak in that AL Central throw an immaculate inning in the bottom of the second against the Tigers. I kind of felt like he was going to do something special last night, but I did not have an immaculate inning in mind at all. He has a great night on the whole, goes seven and two-thirds with 11 strikeouts and no runs against. Very, very dominant in this. Macklin, he gets Bonifacio, Goodrum, and Romine. Very impressive there. The Oakland A's, they clinch. They join the other three teams that have already punched their tickets to the playoffs, and they lock up a spot. To go the Hudson and Austin Meadows, we talked about in previous episodes of players that had to leave their games prematurely. Both of them officially put on the 10-day IL, so we won't be seeing them for some time. Still waiting to hear on Mike Yastrzemski. Jake Odorizzi, a guy we just said was back from the IL, well, didn't last very long. He heads once again to the IL with a right middle finger blister. Blisters are no fun and something you can't rush at all. So with playoffs soon, hopefully that works out for him. The Twins, though, they do get his teammate back, Mitch Garver, very powerful catcher, a guy I think is pretty underrated and doesn't get the respect as probably a top three catcher in baseball right now. So obviously when you're sitting out the whole season, it's hard to ramp up quickly, but we'll see what he can do for this team. And the Padres, they get back Tommy Pham. They trade from in the offseason. He missed quite a good chunk of the year, but finally he is back in their outfield. And last night, an outfield that was getting it done. The Diamondbacks, led by Cole Calhoun, the right fielder, put up two home runs as part of a 6-3 win over Houston. We saw Zach Gallen look pretty good. I mean, he gives up three runs over six innings, but only one of them is earned. And a really weird wrinkle of that, Springer scored all three runs against him. The earned run was a solo shot that came late on. But the both unearned runs were scored by Springer after he reached in the first on an error and then reached on the third on an error. So just kind of a weird coincidence there, but pretty even starting pitching in this one. Cole Calhoun has five home runs in his past four games, so he has definitely been hot. And like you said, the starting pitching was very good for both teams in this game as Zach Allen was good and Zach Greinke was good because we saw Zach Allen go six innings with six hits and three earned runs. Only one of those were earned runs. 
and he had six strikeouts on the night. So a very good performance from him. And Zach Greinke goes five innings with six hits against three earned runs, no walks, and nine strikeouts. So he was very, very solid in this one as well for the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros, though, it is starting to become one of those situations where you are trying to push yourself into the postseason, but these games aren't the kind of games you want to have because Houston is 25 and 26 on the season. You're not sure if the Houston Astros are going to be able to make the postseason. You're not even sure if the Houston Astros are going to be fully healthy when they make the postseason. I'm not sure how that AL West shapes up, but the Houston Astros do need a couple more wins in that division, especially if they're going up against Arizona. This is one of those games they would have liked to have, and unfortunately they weren't able to get it done in this one. And it looks like the way things are sitting now, they'll have Oakland in the first round. They sit below 500. They lost seven of the 10 games they played against Oakland in the regular season. How do you like that matchup for the Astros? Houston and Oakland is very interesting because we've seen the Houston Astros and the Oakland A's play each other very competitively so far this year, especially with young arms like Frankie Montes anchoring that A's rotation. And you have guys like Justin Verlander who probably will be healthy for the postseason. It's a tough say depending on how many arms are healthier and who decides to get the nod for both of these teams. I like Oakland a little bit more just based on their offense and the way that they have the potential to go off for a big night every single time out there. But it's going to be a very close series if that ends up being the postseason matchup that we see. Well, the Braves went off for a big night last night as they beat the Mets 15-2. to They put up a four spot in the second, a six spot in the fourth, and this game very one-sided from the start. We saw Mats only go two and two-thirds, giving up eight hits and six runs over that time, all six of them earned, whereas Max Fried on the other side of things, he goes five innings and only charged with one earned run, and that one run he gave up when he was already up 12 to nothing. He continues his stretch with another start where he doesn't allow a long ball and looks very good for these Braves. Not really much to say in this one. Atlanta, they had six home runs. The Mets only had five hits. Just completely one-sided, and I, I don't even really know what else you really take away from this game. Max Fried comes away with an ERA sitting at 1.96 through 10 starts. He has been absolutely electric for the Atlanta Braves, and that's exactly what you expected of him because we saw him take some time off because of injury, and he's right back to doing what we expected him to do for the Atlanta Braves ball club. So well done on Max Fried's part. For the New York Mets, just a situation where you weren't able to overpower a very dominant pitcher That's just one of the situations that you have to deal with sometimes because sometimes the guy that you're facing on the mound is just that much better than you, and a 15-2 scoreline emphasizes how strong the Atlanta Braves were in this game. We saw St. Louis take on Pittsburgh in a doubleheader yesterday, and we focused on Game 1 because that's where we saw two very volatile pitchers in Carlos Martinez and Trevor Williams. That ended up being the closer of the two games, as St. Louis does take both halves of the doubleheader. The first one, 6-5. The second one, 
seven to two. And in this first game, it was back and forth from the start. Top of the first, St. Louis takes a one nothing lead. Carlos Martinez immediately hands it right back to the Pirates for two one for the home team. Then top of the second, very next half inning, Pittsburgh hands it right back to St. Louis. They take a three two lead in the top of the second, and they would hold that lead for the rest of the game. Uh, a few weird moments here. I mean, Yadier Molina, one of the most experienced and well-respected defensive catchers in the league, takes his second catcher's interference call in the past four days, which is pretty weird. This uh, That actually directly resulted in the first run scoring for Pittsburgh. He did it also earlier against Milwaukee, where the benches cleared and had a bit of a weird altercation there. But... For Carlos Martinez, I mean, he goes three and two-thirds with four walks. That's been a problem with him for years, something he clearly still doesn't have under control. He's charged with five runs, but only one of them earned. Going up against Trevor Williams, who goes four and a-thirds, also not the deepest start, with six runs, five of them earned. The bullpens would come in and not allow a run, but just a messy game on both sides. Cardinals reliever Ryan Helsley said it best, I think. He said, quote, We told ourselves on this road trip we have our destiny in our hands. How we play is where we're going to be. We can control what we can control and come out here and play every single day. Honestly, I think that's the mentality that you have to have as the St. Louis Cardinals ball club because you're in a division right now that's very, very tight. Every single win matters. It's not one of those divisions where you're trying to play spoiler. You are competing for a spot in the postseason and Ryan Helsley understands that, especially for the St. Louis Cardinals ball club. We saw some decent performances from Tyler O'Neill in this game, as well as Carlos Martinez. Like you said, it wasn't exactly what we expected from him maybe coming into the game. Obviously, the four walks were a problem, and you said that his walks have been a problem so far through his career. But honestly, they were able to minimize the damage through those four walks, especially with the production from their offense. They managed to squeak out a 6-5 win, especially in your own division. These are the games you have to come away with. The St. Louis Cardinals take this one over the Pittsburgh Pirates, 6-5. Well done for the St. Louis Cardinals. And it is worth mentioning that Ryan Helsley, who you quoted there, he got out of a jam in the ninth to pick up the save where Pittsburgh had the bases loaded in the bottom of the seventh with two away and, of course, doubleheader, so seven with all they're playing. One-run game, John Ryan Murphy at the plate, and Helsley gets him to fly out to end it. But Pittsburgh came oh so close to walking it off. St. Louis, though, they pick up that win. They pick up the win in the afternoon. And now they pull even with Cincinnati for the second spot in the NL Central with one full game ahead of Milwaukee. Now, this is where we get interesting because there are eight playoff spots available, but we know that it's not going to be quite evenly distributed between the divisions. I mean, you can't even equally distribute eight teams through three divisions. So my question is, you look at the Phillies, you look at the Giants, maybe even the Miami Marlins. They could be pushed out of that second spot in the East today. How many teams from this NL Central do you think make it in out of the Cardinals, the Reds, and the Brewers? Do you think it's one? Is it all three? How many make playoffs and which ones do you think it'll be? 
I think it might be only one, and it might be the Cincinnati Reds, just because of how strong they've been in the past couple of days. And personally, I love that three-headed monster. We understand that Sonny Gray has been hurt recently, but Luis Castillo, Trevor Bauer, and him are such an electric combination. They make trouble for anybody that they would play in the postseason. I think the NL Central only comes away with one postseason play. I think the NL Central only comes away with one postseason contender, and that's the Cincinnati Reds in this season. Well, we'll see. The The Cardinals still have two games left against the Pirates this weekend. The Reds and Brewers go head-to-head for three Monday through Wednesday. That'll be a huge series for both of those teams. And importantly, in that series, the Brewers, they dodged Trevor Bauer, as you mentioned, a big piece for that team. So we'll keep an eye there, but those will be interesting to watch down the stretch. Around the rest of the league, another doubleheader we saw the Miami Marlins in. They split it with the Washington Nationals, but the second game, they win 14-3, and Brian Anderson has half the team's RBIs as he goes 3-4 with three home runs and seven RBIs. Again, he did all of that in just a seven-inning game. Very, very impressive. Brian Anderson, not a guy that we talk about a lot on the show. He's a third baseman who has been very dependable so far for the Miami Marlins. And for him to put up seven RBIs in a seven-inning game is very, very dumbfounding because he's not one of those guys who you expect to come away with these big, big games. And for him to do that in just seven innings is really, really surprising. We also saw Albert Pujols leave the yard twice as he hit a pair of solo shots and passes Willie Mays for sole possession of fifth on the all-time home run list. He hits number 661 and follows it up with number 662 as he just keeps on going. Albert Pujols is one of those players that I think we take for granted quite a bit because as baseball fans, we've seen him play for so, so long that Albert Pujols has really just become a mainstay in Major League Baseball. When it comes down to it, he's maybe one of the best players we've seen over the past two decades because he's just been so, so consistent. And obviously there are going to be detractors who say that his contract with the Los Angeles Angels isn't as profitable for the Angels as maybe it could be, but he's one of those guys who you sort of look past and you forget how strong he was when he was with the St. Louis Cardinals, and even now with these two home runs and he gets to number 662, he's one of those guys who you really forget about, but he's one of those players that I feel like will go down in history as a prolific offensive player. Manny Machado also hits two home runs yesterday, tying bets with 16 for the National League lead. Impressive from him. He has quite a day going two for four. The two long balls, four RBIs, walks, steals a base, does it all. And Machado had a very slow start to his season. It was Tatis and Grisham doing a lot of the work in the first few weeks. But he really got it going. I believe on maybe episode 20 or 25, we had talked about whether Machado was going to be able to pull his weight this year, and man, he sure has. Cal Hendricks, he continued more of the same, going eight shutout innings, striking out 10, only allowing three base hits. Very impressive performance from him. The strikeouts, you'll love to see him up there. Zach Eflin, he goes seven in a complete game shutout against the Toronto Blue Jays in a doubleheader yesterday, strikes out nine and doesn't allow a run. And finally, the Yankees in Fenway Park with another memorable moment. 
Gary Sanchez, who has struggled quite a bit, hits a solo home run with two outs in the top of the ninth, down by one to tie it. They'd force extras and go on to win it in the 12th. Great game from him and the Yankees. And as we look at tonight's game, we'll start with the team that the Yankees have passed and continue to gain a lead on. The Toronto Blue Jays have lost five in a row. They sit two games back of Cleveland for the first wildcard spot. And they face Philadelphia again after dropping both halves of the doubleheader to them yesterday. Philly just half a game back in Miami. We've talked about how close and hectic that NL wildcard is. If they can take that second spot in the East, you know they would love to do that. Who you got today between Ryu and Velasquez, and do you think Philly's got a chance of catching Miami? Kinjin Ryu is a tremendously capable pitcher. He's been everything that the Jays have expected of him and more so far to start the season. He scuffled a little bit in the start of the year, but since then he has found his groove and he's been easily the ace for the Jays' ball club, and that's exactly what they're paying him to be. Personally, I don't know if the Jays are able to pull this one off against Vince Velasquez just because of how weak their pitching has been because we've seen them give up so many home runs to the New York Yankees. And in the doubleheader yesterday, they had a lot of struggles against this Philadelphia ball club. I think I go with Velasquez and the Phillies in this one over Hyunjin Ryu and the Toronto Blue Jays. As for their chances against the Miami Marlins, I'm not sure how they stack up against them. And that just comes down to the bullpen because this Philadelphia Phillies ball club has such a massive hole. And I don't know if it's a single player that they need to fix. I don't know if it's a mechanical issue with a bunch of their players because their bullpen has given up so many runs every single time we see them go out there. I don't know if they're able to catch the Miami Marlins in this division. I don't know if they're able to contend with them in this division because their bullpen has been so, so weak this year. I'll take the Jays in this one. I feel like they're due for one. Yesterday, I saw Philly go to the pen in close games, and I was thinking, okay, I've seen where this goes before, but they were able to hold on. I think the Jays are kind of due for a win. I think they take it today. And we got another game that is a little bit out of the normal proceedings as Seattle hosts San Diego in San Diego. We've got Clevenger on the mound visiting Justice Sheffield, but you know, in his home park, wearing those road grays. That'll be tonight at 9, 10 p.m. Eastern. Or I guess it should say road light browns because they kind of have that interesting color going on. We talked about both these teams last week as potentially having a chance to catch up to the Dodgers and Houston, respectively. San Diego is now four back of the Dodgers. Seattle's now three back of Houston. I don't know if either of them are going to, but of course, with 10 games left to play, there's still a chance but this game will be huge. I think San Diego takes this one, but if Seattle pulls this out, their season's still alive. If San Diego were to pull off a couple of wins, it would be against the Seattle ball club because Mike Clevenger is coming off of his best start as a Padre. He went out last time out and pitched seven shutout innings against the Giants. I like his stuff a lot, especially since he showed up in San Diego, especially with the offense that they've got. And if Mike Clevenger can spot his pitches and the offense can provide what they know that they're capable of, I think the San Diego Padres take this one over the Mariners. And finally, probably the best matchup of the night, the White Sox take on the Reds, sending Bauer on the mound. They don't have Gray anymore, so they need to capitalize on his starts. Going up against Keuchel, who has been very strong and a strong White Sox team. I've got Cincinnati in this one, but 
it's it's hard to pick against this White Sox team anytime they go out there. That White Sox team does have a lot of offensive firepower, but for me, Trevor Bauer is going to be the X factor in this one. He's continuing his pursuit for the National League Cy Young Award because he's sporting a 1.71 ERA. He has been so, so good for that Cincinnati ball club. And if they want to make the postseason, these are the games they need to win. Whenever you go out and you throw Trevor Bauer on the mound, hopefully you get six innings at least out of him, and hopefully your offense is able to power the team to a win. Well, that'll be it for our show today. You can find us on Twitter at Trip Morning. You can find us on Instagram at Morning Round Trip. For Drew Frank and Liam Carruthers, thank you for listening and have a great day.